hear me. Скажи мне, американец, в чем сила? А вы что, собираетесь на ней жениться? Да. Ух, красота-то какая, лепота. Таможня дает добро. И вообще не называй меня, пожалуйста, Вероника. Кто я? Вот кто я? Отныне русские земля единый быть. Ali, and this is the Rus Files Unite podcast, where we watch Russian films and films with a Russian connection. As always, I am joined by a guest, and today my guest is returning guest, Carrie. Hi, Carrie. Thank you for coming on the show. Hi, Ali. So, regular listeners will know Carrie, no doubt, but for anyone joining us for the first time, Carrie, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? I am Ali's wife. And we first met in when we were both working in Moscow. And how had you ended up in Russia? I studied Russian language and literature in university. Cool. And you just were kind of back there. Yeah, it was the whole Great Recession. Didn't feel like working at McDonald's or Starbucks or something. So I went over to teach English. And kind of continue with you know, practicing your Russian and stuff like that, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, so the film we're watching this time around is a festive film, because this is the festive episode for this year. And the name of that film is Carnivalnaya Noche. So, Carnival Night. You didn't say which holiday it's for. I didn't. You but just I... said it's the festive episode. It is. Okay, so the festival that it's for is... New Year's, because in the Soviet Union, Christmas is a little bit of a thing you mm -hmm. want to avoid. That's an important note, because, you know, it could be Halloween. It could be, yes. This could be the Halloween episode. Yeah. Where we watch a horror movie. Uh, yeah, but I have learned the hard way that watching even mildly scary movies with you is a bad idea. You know, just because they give me nightmares, like, that's really... It's not just that. It's not just that. You're a flailer. <laughs> it's not my fault. <laughs> no, it isn't your fault. But it's also it also makes the experience of watching a, a movie even scarier when I might actually be physically harmed. It's just adding a more lifelike experience <laughs> to the watching. Yeah, thank goodness I don't let you uh, hold pointy objects at the same time. Be really realistic then. Yeah, this is the type of household where we run with scissors. <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> it's so random. <laughs> um, yeah, but anyway, so the movie is Carnival Night, and it's from 1956, so this is only the second 
Soviet movie we've covered from that decade. Uh, so, Carrie, can you tell us anything about what was going on in the Soviet Union in the mid-50s? Stalin had recently died. Yeah, he'd been gone a few years, thank goodness. And kind of what happened as a result of him no longer being around? Well, I remember my university, one of my university professors saying that when Stal- the day Stalin died and the day it was announced was just such a terrible day and they all just cried because they were all so sad. She was very upset about the breakup of the Soviet Union and would have really liked it if it had come back. Gotcha. Uh, she told us this story repeatedly. Nice. It was kind of... It was one of those things where you're like, I don't know how to react to this. Uh, smile and nod. <laughs> yeah, smile and nod, boys. Just smile and nod. She's like, okay, a brutal dictator died, and you... It's year, decades later, and you're still sad about it. Right. Well, personality cults are powerful things. She would have been a small child. Then again, I guess if, if you're a if you're a small child, you're probably even more likely if if all of your teachers goes, this is a really sad moment for the country to go, okay. Okay, yeah, I get that. But like after you grow up and learn a few things, sometimes your position on stuff changes. Yeah, you'd like to hope so. Like I doubt she still believes in Dead Moroz. Or the Russian equivalent of Santa Claus. She's probably changed her position on that since growing up. Yeah, you'd hope so. Um, So do you mean 1956 in particular? Yeah, let's go with 1956 specifically. I think that was the year of the secret speech. Yes, that's right. So what was that? So that was Khrushchev secretly giving a speech in the middle of the night, but in such a way that everybody knew about it but it was also a secret and the contents of the speech basically said yeah all that stuff stalin did with the repression and the killing people and the severe censorship we're gonna step away from that and not do that anymore um so that i mean the not killing people in mass didn't come back uh but the the opening the censorship wasn't I mean it never got as bad as it was under Stalin again but it didn't completely open up yes and then you kind of had in the mid 60s when Khrushchev was replaced by Brezhnev there was a bit more of a or when Brezhnev decided he was replacing Khrushchev we should say uh, there was kind of like a closing back down and so like the move towards opening up very much stopped yeah it was like again it wasn't a full-on reversal where you had poets getting arrested and thrown in gulags but it, it stuff that didn't conform didn't get funding yeah. with films for example right right and we should say there was still like repression and stuff under khrushchev it was just like there was a trend towards like it being more open and less repressive Everything is you know, when you're you're grading on a sliding scale of is it as bad as Stalin? Any there's a lot of stuff that can be better when that's how bad it has to get. Yeah, plenty of room for improvement. Yes. Yeah. yeah. 
So by this point that this film is made, living in the Soviet Union is, we could probably say, considerably less nightmarish. Considerably less scary, yeah. Yeah. For those who could potentially have connections to people or events or things that are quote-unquote dangerous. You also get some people who had been banished from Moscow or from different places for whatever reason or no reason at all are being allowed to start returning. Yeah. So some of that stuff is getting better. Although uh, people would have had the trauma of having to deal with everything they dealt with. Sure. So, festive! Festive! (laughs) Yeah, oh, the joy of doing a podcast that often talks about the Soviet Union. Um, Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I'm really interested to see to what extent the opening up is reflected in this movie. Well, you told me it's a satire, so just the fact that you're doing a satire. Yeah, yeah, doing, uh, doing a satire where the subject is, like, Soviet life. Probably not the smartest of moves in uh, when Stalin's around. Probably not, no. And taking a close personal interest in the film industry, as he did. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so I'll be interested to see what that's like. Also, this is the first narrative film by Eldar Rizanov, who we've covered a couple of his films before so i have no idea who he is so he directed irony of fate and also office romance oh okay yeah so we've done episodes does this have that same actor as the lead guy no i don't think it has uh i can't remember what his name is off the top of my head but okay (laughs) yeah I, i i don't know anything about this movie other than the few things that ali told me before we watched it a lot of the movies that are on the podcast, I've either heard of them or their new releases or something. This one, absolutely not. Yeah, this is, I mean, maybe not super obscure for Russians, but it's not like at the... This isn't like Moscow Doesn't Believe in Tears, where it's like, oh, it won an Oscar. Right. Or, indeed, Irony of Fate, where if you've studied Russian or spent any length of time over there someone will have told you about that film but this is this is that director's first movie you had like quite uh mixed feelings shall we say uh, when we revisited that one a few years back yeah i didn't like it that much but well it, it wasn't that i didn't like the directing or anything it was just i didn't like the characters well especially the lead character yeah the lead guy i didn't like it so yeah check out our earlier episode on that but you did really like office romance though yes that was a very good movie and obviously an excellent episode so once you've done with this episode if you haven't heard that one yeah michelle birdie rocks yes yes she does but anyway yeah so that's probably enough uh in the way of preamble so at this point we normally say a word of russian and that word of russian is payekhali and what does it mean? Uh, let's go. Cool. Okay. So, three, two, one. Payekhali! Payekhali!
Harry and I have just watched Carnival Nights, and before we let you know what we thought of it, we're just going to have a quick summary of the plot from Carrie. So if you've not watched the film yet and don't want spoilers, this is the time to pause the episode and go and watch the film and then come back. Okay, with that out of the way, over to you, Carrie. What happens in Carnival Night? So it's a musical, and the premise of this musical is that the staff of the Culture Center are putting on this big party celebration concert thing uh, to celebrate and ring in the new year. So the head boss guy of the Culture Center department, they call it several different things, um, is named Augurtsov. The woman who is directing the whole shebang. shebang, the show, and is also kind of starring in it as one of the main singers, is named Lena. Multitasking there. Yeah, I know. She. I wonder how she was able to cast, get cast in that lead role in the thing she was directing. <laughs> um, you know, so who you know. Yeah, and then the guy who does both the lights and is uh, DJing or kind of announcing who the different performers are going to be for their numbers on stage is named Grisha. So they clearly have a staffing problem here in that they're having multiple people do multiple jobs at the same time, which it's not really possible to do. Anyway, rant over on that. <laughs> um, yeah, a little bit of uh, suspension of disbelief required. Right. Grisha has a crush on Lena. It makes that very obvious early on. She doesn't exactly turn him down from the beginning. She kind of just is like, mm, no. But she doesn't actually say no. Yeah, it's kind of like she gives like massive I'm not that into you signals but when he actually asks, she kind of equivocates. Yeah, exactly. So he should really take the hint, but at the same time, she's kind of like, well, you know, if you play your cards, are like, maybe. Yeah. Which is just what you want to hear. <laughs> mm -hmm. So uh, they, they have like this whole song and dance and, and comedian, clowns, musicians, or magicians, and musicians. They have a whole orchestra type. Like, it's a all-out type of um, it's like a, event planned. Yeah, it's like a regular variety show. Yeah, yeah. With all the different acts. So a lot of the movie is just going through the different acts, like with the different song and dance numbers that are going to be on stage at the big show at the end. And that's how it becomes a musical. It's like the, the songs don't move the plot forward. They're just part of the rehearsals or the show itself. Yeah, they're kind of built in that way. Mm -hmm. But Agortsov wants it to be a serious evening. So he wants like a 40-minute lecture on astronomy and another 40-minute lecture on morals or something that he's going to deliver himself. Like, turn it into a completely boring snooze fest. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. He's he's kind of our antagonist. Mm-hmm. Um, and the staff are just like, oh, God, that's going to be so boring and so terrible. So they have awesome stuff planned. He has terrible stuff that he wants to have happen. 
And then hijinks ensue as Lana, Grisha, and some other people try to stop him from ruining the evening so that they can put on all of their fun stuff and he doesn't get his way. Yeah, basically they hijack his attempts to hijack the show. Yeah, with Grisha then trying to constantly be like, so are you going to kiss me now, Lana? To which she's like, meh, maybe. Um, I guess that's basically the plot. Yeah, no, that's a great summary, Carrie. Thank you very much. So, it's a comedy. Yes, and a satire, and a musical. Yes, so it's a triple threat. I mean, although I guess satire and a comedy has quite a bit of overlap. You'd hope yeah. that <laughs> yeah, a satire would be comedic. But anyway, enough waffling from me. Uh, general thoughts, like, did you enjoy it? It was a decidedly meh movie. That was definitely the vibe I got. <laughs> it wasn't great, but it wasn't terrible. It was just meh. Like, I like, it's better if with a musical if there's something to the songs where it drives the plot along, where it's like, oh, this is the I'm falling in love song, or this is the we just met song, or, or whatever. Like, it, the song and dance numbers should have something to do with what is going on. Whereas this one is like a hundred percent artificially pasted in. And there are some musicals that I like that are like that. For example, White Christmas. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In fact, yeah, I guess you could draw quite a few similarities in, you know, in terms of like the basics. Yeah. That one, they are rehearsing for a show and it's a special Christmas show. But there are also songs where it's like, we're falling in love, or this is us getting to know one another, or, or whatever it is, and th this just didn't really have any of that. Also, the songs are really, really good, whereas yeah. this, yeah. some of them are okay, and then some of them were kind of like borderline, like, hard work. I think it was perhaps slightly hamstrung by the recording either the yeah. recording quality or like the quality of like the remastering because some of the high notes i found were, oh, were <laughs> just a little bit kind of buzzy but they also didn't have any i think even if the sound quality had been fantastic they didn't have like bing crosby or any any fantastically amazing singers doing the songs mm. in this movie like they were just they weren't bad like lana was good but she wasn't like wow that voice yeah totally totally agree okay so on the <laughs> on the musical side we're kind of like going eh. and then the songs weren't especially catchy like i didn't find myself humming anything afterwards mm, yeah me neither me neither I mean, I did quite like the five minutes song. But I think that was as much just like, I liked the visuals and the kind of like mm -hmm. the way she moved around the crowd. Right. Um, for that one. On the other hand, the the there were a couple of dance routines that 
I thought were really good. Yeah, the ballet one was incredibly impressive. Yeah. Oh my goodness. How especially the the woman in that pair just wasn't incredibly dizzy because she was being like flung like a gyroscope. <laughs> I don't know how he didn't just like like he was swinging her around kind of it was like this death spiral in the ice skating like that move okay. except without skates so he was fully holding her up and spinning around i don't know how he didn't just let go like somebody <laughs> with a kettleball and just like <laughs> have her fly across and crash into a wall oh, whoops <laughs> that was that was my favorite part of the whole movie that was a very impressive looking dance number mm. the tap dance was pretty good i mean okay, there, yeah, there that are was there, good too i mean there are a couple um but the uh spanish slash mexican dudes the tap dance was good i do not know what was going on with the, the costumes yeah it's like they weird. were matadors but for some reason they had black sombreros which was a bit like eh, i'm not sure what to think about this yeah it was a bit odd but their dancing was good yeah and the rhythm was pretty cool so mm-hmm. yeah uh so slightly more marks on the uh on the dancing how about the satire what did you think about that I mean, that I thought was pretty good. They, like, they clearly lampooned Ogurtsov, and they had everyone running circles around him. Mm, yeah, very much Sometimes so. Sometimes literally, even. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, there was a lot of physical comedy with mm-hmm. him. And I have to say, just, like, if you don't think too much about the context, it's kind of like, oh, okay, this is quite mild, but... Just the guts to have a authority figure like that just so like relentlessly lampooned in mm-hmm. a movie. And laughed at, yeah. And just yeah. <laughs> just completely ridiculed and made fun of in a movie three years after the death of Stalin and like literally like I mean it would have been in in production, I guess, within months of the secret speech that we talked about in the in the intro. So it's just like mega kudos for just yeah, for just the level of courage to just go, this is gonna be our story. Um we're gonna completely like take down this uh this authority figure and make him look like a complete dunce. Mm-hmm. Um so that was pretty cool. I don't know what you thought, but generally it kind of reminded me of like a less successful version of uh, Welcome or No Trespassing. This wasn't anywhere near as funny as Welcome or No Trespassing. Yeah, that's what I mean. But in terms of the dynamic of it being mainly <laughs> this kind of antagonistic relationship with a an authority figure who's not... He's not evil or nasty. He's just, like, the biggest killjoy. I think that was the main similarity. Yeah, I think the the difference is the Lena and the Grisha and the, all the other employee characters who are trying to thwart the main authority figure aren't nearly as compelling as the kids are in Welcome or No Trespassing. Yeah. Like, I didn't like Lena very much. and She has a terrible haircut that makes her look 
not very nice. Like it's just a, it's just bad. <laughs> like I looked at her and just couldn't. I kept on getting distracted by the fact that her haircut was just so bad. Um, <laughs> but you also just didn't really like her as a character. No, either. I didn't. I don't. I don't like people who lead somebody else on. And like you could tell they were doing it in the musical because they're supposed to get together in the end. But it's just like, okay, this is major sexual harassment at work, and you're leading him on, and you're not actually saying no. You're just like, uh-huh, you are not a nice person. But he was also kind of... He was kinda... very wishy-washy. He was, and that was the main thing that she said to him, is that just, like, she had a go at him for his lack of decisiveness and courage, which, you know, fair mm-hmm. enough. But he was also kind of like creepy as well yeah there was just like vibes about that guy yeah i didn't like i didn't like either of them and i guess they're fine as a couple because neither of them are great <laughs> like they deserve each other yeah they deserve each other but they they weren't <laughs> like i'm not rooting for them no because i don't really like them yeah, I was rooting for them, not particularly to get together, but I was rooting for them as a as a collective, no, as a, as a group, mm-hmm. just because they wanted to actually have a fun evening mm-hmm. for their guests, whereas Ogotsov was just being a complete killjoy with no chill. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's pretty easy for, to want them to to win in in that regard um did you like any of the supporting characters i don't even remember their names sure neither do i but (laughs) so that tells you kind of how compelling and how involved we were with the supporting Mm. characters it's like i don't know um i kind of liked the um the librarian i guess she was who Mm. was older and singing yes a, a song and she had she had a good voice um, and then her love interest, I guess, was an older guy who I guess I think was the accountant. Yes. I liked them. I, I could have dealt or I could have had more of their kind of a love story mm. in it. Because you often don't see an older couple have a, a compelling, interesting love story of them kind of getting together and expressing interest for one another. And this did have that and that. You had character development on them, and they weren't just, like, side comedic, oh, look at these two old people falling in love, isn't that funny? Like, it was actually a serious, oh, they're into each other and not actually openly expressing it, and you can tell they're Mm. getting closer. I mean, he was pretty unsubtle with his flirting with her, but... Yeah, true, but still... I liked them a lot better than I liked Lana and Grisha. Same. Agreed. Also, he reads this, uh, it's like a a folk tale, but in rhyme mm-hmm. from the stage as mm-hmm. one of the acts. And it's just like, the crowd are kind of like, oh, I don't know about this. But then as it kind of winds along, it's just got this really like harsh, satirical punch that everyone gets except Agutsov. Yeah, it's it's basically lampooning Ogurtsov and basically being like, why are you here? We don't like you. <laughs> and everyone else understands that, uh, that it's saying Ogurtsov is trying to ruin everything. So by the time you get to the punchline at the end, it's like, ah. But he's just like, yeah, it's just a fable. 
Well, I it's thought... an alle- it's allegorical. Yeah, I th- I thought Ugartsov was kind of upset with like it was kind of like oh yeah this this bear in this story really spoils it for everyone, doesn't he? And and everyone's like yes 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 the bear does spoil it for everyone yes and he's just like oblivious. Actually, I was mm-hmm. gonna say um because we were talking about the sort of lampooning the authority figure thing right. here you do have like i don't think it's exactly Ugartsov's boss but certainly somebody who's like higher up the hierarchy yeah, than yeah. him who is at the party Telegin or something yeah it definitely begins with a with a t but he's there and he has quite a bit more chill than mm-hmm. Ugartsov does so i wondered whether this is kind of like the film sort of walking the line of saying like yeah the higher leadership they're fine it's these middle managers that you have to watch out for which is kind of like mm, very shrewd as a line to take but kind of mm. a little bit like ah oh, so this is how you got it past the census yeah yeah it um, could be Oh, the other thing that bothered me during the celebration Mm -hmm. is the amount of confetti and, like, what is it, the strings or... Like streamers? Streamers, there we go. These very thin streamers that they had going around. It was, like, all over the place all the time. And all I could think was those poor sweepers and set people who have to clean up every night when they're filming this because it was scene after scene after scene of just little (laughs) pieces of paper everywhere ah but this is this is communism everyone will pitch in together and help clean it up it won't be left to like the two cleaners yeah i'm sure Uh. (laughs) no and it would have kept going and it's like there are people eating and drinking while there's this confetti coming down it's like you you wouldn't want to keep drinking you're gonna have confetti in your champagne or whatever (laughs) alcohol you're drinking and it's gonna get all over your food Mm. and even with filming the continuity errors that that would put in place because like you have people with these streamers across them as they're trying to dance throughout the um the crowd mm. and then like they'll cut to another scene it's like okay they clearly like took some of the streamers off of them and this was filmed at a different time so it it just <laughs> yeah I it, it really took me out of it just with the amount ima- the sheer amount and the constant constant streamers <laughs> yeah i thought people seemed to be like Apart from that, maybe. It did seem like a fun party to be at, though. Yeah, and like, oh, you never see anyone trip and fall with all those streamers, too. And all that drink. And all that drink. (laughs) Like, if you have string going around and people who are kind of drunk, somebody is going to trip and fall. Yes. Uh, (laughs) Yes, it was was very, like, it was very joyous, but Mm -hmm, also, mm -hmm. yeah, again, possibly... uh, suspending the disbelief that no one was more drunk than they were with one exception but that was kind of like a deliberate plot point yeah yeah i mean i don't think we necessarily need to go into that detail but that was i thought that was pretty funny Mm -hmm. um but uh yeah not the best drunk acting i've ever seen but um yeah it was still yeah moderately Mm -hmm. funny random 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 detail Mm -hmm. i did like that because right very early on, you have this thing where uh, Grisha accidentally 
well, he records like his declaration of mm. love to Lena on this little um, vinyl disc, which, you know, proves his kind of like technical know-how, I guess. And she inadvertently plays it on a like record player in the office. But at the same time, she plays it over the uh, the PA system for the whole building, essentially. Yeah. Um, and that was, I mean, that was incredibly awkward. But at the same time, it was kind of like, ha, huh, this is interesting because in the Western rom-com genre, there's this kind of trope of the, like, incredibly awkward, like, public declaration of love right usually by the guy to the girl but sometimes the other way around mm-hmm. but i kind of liked that it made an appearance here admittedly in a much more kind of accidental way and then the fact that that thing was called back to was nice rather than it just when it happens again it happens kind of like out of nowhere I like the fact that it was set up beforehand right yeah so that was some neat plotting i thought mm-hmm. Also, on that point, I just had a quick look in uh, Birgit Boimer's History of Russian Cinema, as it has an entry on this one, and she said that that scene was possibly like a, a, a kind of sly commentary on the fact that young people in the Soviet Union really did not have very much in the way of privacy at the time, which I thought was an interesting point. Mm, yeah, oh, well, they wouldn't have. Where would they have gone for privacy? Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like you have a big, big housing crisis that's you know not nearly being solved at that point. That said, I mean, living in Moscow as we as we did, we knew quite a few people and knew more generally that 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 if you're younger, sometimes privacy is really a hard thing to. to well, come yeah, that's because you why you have people practically copulating on the metro. Uh, escalators, because there's no other place for them to make out. Yeah, yeah, you you certainly can't do it in your in your parents' kitchen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, no, that's not something mm-hmm. I want my parents to walk in on. But anyway, yeah, um, so that's kind of interesting that that's something that's kind of like continued to the modern day. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So I know we're jumping around a bit here. We've kind of touched on it already, but how did you like the visuals? I mean, they were fine. The stage set stuff was fine. I hated the streamers. I think we've already covered <laughs> that, though. I think we've established that in you know some depth. Um, I I really really liked the the stage sets for the musical numbers. I thought they were really really cool and i kind of like the lighting and the colors um people's clothes were very um of the era shall we say yeah i don't know what kind of corseting lena was wearing but her waist was so tiny it's like how do you sing and wear a dress like that at the same time the magic of adr (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, and, and she had, what, like, four or five costume changes during the course of the night? Yeah, and her costume changes didn't make sense. Like, because she was wearing this one dress, and then she'd get into a costume for her number, 
And then she'd change out of that into the first dress. And then she'd change back out of that again into her costume for another number. And then she'd go back to the first dress. It's like, this this does not make sense. This is not the way people change costumes for a real show. And she was constantly changing shoes, too. It's like, that's that does not happen. <laughs> uh, but it is kind of a bit of a musical convention, I suppose. Yeah, I guess so. But it's... Anyway... <laughs> it seems like this kind of got under your skin a little bit. I, I again, I think it's because I didn't like the characters. Yeah, I would be willing to forgive a lot if I was like, "Wow, there's Gene Kelly or Fred Astaire dance type, impressive dancing the whole way through, mm. like in Funny Face or something." Like the singing isn't. What's so amazing, but the dancing is really good. So mm. I'll forgive any everything because it's just so pleasing to look at. This didn't have that. I, I tell you what, yeah. Funny Face is a good example of like a really very middling plot being rescued by the absolute like top-notch set pieces. Because mm-hmm. that is not like, it's not a good movie. It's a pretty bad movie with some incredible set pieces it's it's a middling movie with great dancing okay fair enough we can kind of like split the difference but yeah but this movie doesn't have any of that great talent to kind of save it maybe if it had great talent i'd be sitting here going that was pretty good Mm. but it it just doesn't do it kind of like moderate thumbs down from you yeah yeah i'm afraid so fair enough fair enough uh i think i liked it slightly more than you did okay but yeah it's kind of like a yeah it was all right also it was like mercifully short that's true that does help it and and the pacing is good like yeah it just kind of rattles along and yeah, like I say, the probably the strongest stuff is when it's just poking fun at <laughs> of uh, Agurtsov. I do like that there's kind of like a sting at the end, and you've got the kind of breaking of the fourth wall. Yes, yeah, that was really great. Uh, yeah, the best parts were when they're like ridiculing Agurtsov. That was pretty good. But it's like it's a musical, and the best parts are not. The music parts. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. So, Which means it's not really a successful musical. Yeah, so how does it rate for you versus this director, Aldar Rizanov's other New Year movie, Irony of Fate? I think Irony of Fate is a better movie than this is. Gotcha. Even though you also kind of have the the character problem with that one as well. Yeah, I do. I do. I don't really like... Well, no, I, I like the female lead in The Irony of Fate. I think she's just dealt a bad hand. <laughs> yeah. That's my problem with that. Yeah, fair enough. And she deserves better than either of those guys. But basically, throughout this podcast... We have not had luck with me liking any of the Christmas movies. Yeah, that said... This is a heck of a lot better than My Boyfriend is an Angel, because that was just (laughs) egregious garbage. 
I think part of the problem with that is that opening scene is so whimsical and like, oh, this is going to be lovely. And then it just... <laughs> it just nose dives into the Nose into the dives ground. and does not get saved. No. I mean, I was slightly, like, iffy about the sombreros in this, but it doesn't have anything n- nearly as egregious as, uh, as a film from 2011. Yeah, with all the blackfacey stuff. Uh, oh, that was awful. Yeah, this didn't have any of that, but it also had no minority people at all anywhere in it. You say that, it did have a possibly gay caretaker. Oh yeah, there were multiple male kisses throughout the movie. Yeah, there was like five or six, and like they are all played for laughs. They're not meant to be like... Mm-hmm. Romantic French tonguing type stuff yeah but (laughs) yeah like when grisha is closing his eyes and liana has walked off having said like close your eyes and then implied i'll i'll kiss you and then (laughs) grisha says well aren't you gonna kiss me then and the uh the caretaker's like okay (laughs) it's just like this 50 something year old guy with a very like walrusy moustache, like kisses him on the cheek, and he's like, "Ah," <laughs> which you know, if that's not what you were expecting, I think like that's an understandable reaction. But yeah, I was <laughs> I was quite surprised uh, about that because that is definitely something that you could not have gotten away with in the uh, the Stalinist <laughs> period of of Soviet cinema, and in fact, like Agutsov. Yeah takes issue with the with the clowns having a kiss. It was just like, nope, don't do that. I don't remember the clowns kissing. Oh, it's like one pecks the other on the cheek or something and Oh. Actually the <laughs> like the clowns weren't funny at all, but Agutsov managed to make it even less funny. But I I did like the the one clown like trying to explain why Agurtsov shouldn't be making the changes that he's trying to make, and the other one is kind of like the cooler heads prevail, and is just going like Kolya ni nada, like Kolya don't bother. Like I he... thought it was funny at the end though when they mm. they ha- he makes them go completely serious instead of being clowns. That tickled me just because it's like they're supposed to be clowns and they're doing basically giving a lecture in suits and just because it's the complete opposite of what it's supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. That was kind of funny. Also, the fact that the suits that they wear are almost exactly like the one that Agutsov wears, like Mm -hmm. this kind of like giant, like double-breasted monstrosity. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I thought I thought his performance was very good, albeit really broad. Ogurtsov? Yeah. Yeah. He's probably the best acted character throughout. Mm. I don't think he's as nearly as good as Comrade Dinan in uh, Welcome or No Trespassing. No, he isn't. But he's still good, and I still yeah. think he like carries the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does. But, yeah. Cool. So, I'd say... If if you've got an hour and a bit and want to watch something mildly festive and you've already, like, watched Irony of Fate, you know, give this a shot. It's very colourful, but don't expect this to be, like, life-changingly awesome. Nope. Cool. Well, thank you very much, Carrie, for watching this film with me and for 
having a chat about it. You're welcome. Okay, thank you very much for listening, and das vidanya, folks. Das vidanya. So that's it for this episode, but before I go, I'd like to thank Sasha Ilukovic and the highly skilled migrants for the use of their song Cold in our intro. You can find that song and the rest of their back catalogue on Bandcamp and Spotify. If you're enjoying the show, please consider supporting us by leaving a rating at Apple Podcasts or at podchaser.com. That second one, Podchaser, even lets you rate individual episodes, so if this episode particularly stood out to you, you can let other listeners know that you enjoyed it. Recommending the show on social media is hugely helpful as well. If you can spare a moment or two to do that, it would really make my day. Thank you, thank you very much. Speaking of social media, please find us and say hi on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. You can also drop us a line at roosfilesunite at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening, take care of yourselves, and bye for now. Часы двенадцать дюм.